The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. If you own a vehicle with less than 200,000 miles and have an auto warranty about to expire or no warranty coverage at all, listen up. CarShield has a low-cost, month-to-month vehicle protection plan that covers more parts than ever. Visit carshield.com audio to find out how you could pay almost nothing for covered auto repairs. Drivers who activate this vehicle protection today will also receive free roadside assistance, free towing, and car rental options at no additional cost. Get your free quote today at carshield.com audio. That's carshield.com audio. Welcome to this week's episode of Zach on Film, a film podcast from Major Spoilers Podcast Network. Sitting across from me is the one and only Rodrigo Lopez. Hey, man. Sitting to his left, my right, Steven Schleicher. How does that work? I don't you know. We're facing weird directions. Oh. And all the way to everyone's <laughs> right besides Rodrigo, even farther, farther than Steven, is Matthew Peterson. Okay, never refer to me as far right. <laughs> well, on the eastern portion of the state. Okay. Yeah, the right part of the state. Yeah. 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 Only if you're facing with the map page pointing <laughs> north. Isn't Topeka's east coast? Yes. <laughs> Ethnocentric. All right. <laughs> this week we have some Star Wars topics to Yay, talk about. Star Wars. Woo! Wonderful Star Wars. Star Wars. Um, They're back with I a think vengeance. Lando gets a bad rap. Well, oh. with a with a revenge. Of with the a revenge. Set. And they're going to come back and rise and awaken and some other analogy in reference to all the other titles. We're talking about digital recreation. Okay. 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 Uh, there's a rumor floating around that uh, we could be bringing a, an actor back from the dead to be in a future Ooh. Star Wars movie. Mm-hmm. You know, we kind of lambasted a lot of CGI this last summer. Oh, and yeah. how it was kind of subpar across the board for mm-hmm. a few exceptions uh one thing that seems to be holding its own for the most part on the occasion that has been used is 3d complete body redos that we saw in terminator genesis with arnold schwarzenegger uh let's see we saw it in benjamin button a while ago tron did it oh yeah sky captain use all the, the time of, sky captain in the world tomorrow used uh um uh, What's his name? Lawrence of Arabia. Lawrence Olivia. Yeah. No, not Lawrence. Peter Tool. Yeah, Peter O'Toole. Not Peter O'Toole. Lawrence Olivia. Oh, uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. They right, used him sure. in uh, Sky is, Captain World of Tomorrow. Is that what they did to bring back Wall Street Michael Douglas for Ant-Man? No, that's something completely different. Well, oh. it's similar. It is similar, but it's not a total 3D. It's not a, it's not a 3D double. So essentially what they're doing is they're going in and painting on and mapping Michael Douglas's face and then... Mm. Which is, although, which is essentially what they do with those doubles, except because not, they have except it's not somebody. 3D. It's not like a it's not like a three D object, right? In 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 these digital uh, de aging process, it's not mm-hmm. a three D model of the of the subject. Sure, you're taking, but it essentially, is it is like one person walking around. It is and Michael then Douglas. They basically, w- put Michael, Michael Douglas's Douglas w- head on no, no, Michael Douglas. It is Michael Douglas walking around, and then they essentially go in and paint out his wrinkles. Oh, I see. Yeah. Uh, is okay. this the same? Method they used for 
Devil the Twin action in Social Network? Or is that a 3D uh, face replacement? I, you know, I don't remember. I'd have to go back and watch the special features is. on that because I know yeah. it's a, you know, it's a second person. Yeah, but right. I could have swore they had him do the acting twice and then just cut the head out and put it on the other guy's head. Yeah, that's what he's saying. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. But how how about like Paul Walker's brothers playing Paul Walker in Furious Seven? Was that like? Well, I think they just hired Paul Walker's brother and said, "Hey, your your brother died." Yeah, but that, I mean, they put Paul Walker's scenes. face on, yeah, yeah, on yeah. Paul Walker's yeah, brother yeah. at least twice, is what I understand. Yeah, this is not what they did in Parent Trap, from no. what I understand. No, this is no, not no, what they did no, in no, Parent no. Trap. That's, that's split screen. That was a little bit different. Not now, as high tech. What well, about bringing back Philip Seymour Hoffman for uh, the uh, Catnip Evergreen? movies well we haven't seen that yet and oh, i thought he was in the last one that came out he was but, but that was all stuff that was he was shot, shot. he was yeah. all shot there was only i believe one or two scenes of him left in part two uh mm-hmm. of mocking jay and from what i understand that will be 3d yeah replacement okay. yeah um but here's the here's the thing though. I mean, you know, everyone's talking about this like it's oh, this is some wondrous new thing. Well, we don't know first <laughs> of all how they're going to use uh, Peter Cushing in in the role as Grand Marf, Marf which is what we're Marf, all talking about, right? <laughs> I mean, we don't Peter know Cushing. if he's going to be. Hey, we need someone to stand in the background and walk through a scene, or kind of cut to a, a, a you know <laughs> kind of a shot of him looking stern or something like that, or if he's going to be walking around, talking, interacting with everyone else, a la Roger Rabbit, you know. Um, because that is, those are two different things to have a set dressing piece or right. having someone interacting with other characters. God, I hope it's just like Roger Rabbit. Yeah. Can you imagine Grand Moff talking? Please. Yeah. Um, great. So, I mean, there's two things, but they've already used digital doubles before and we've already talked about it before. I mean, if you look at what, what was it? The episode two or three of star Wars where, they had to take uh, uh, Dooku and Yoda, and they had to fight. Mm-hmm. And that's uh, uh, all three days. Christopher Lee was just too—I mean, he's too old to do those flips and tumbles like he used to uh, back in the day when he was a <laughs> World War II spy. And so uh, they recreated him and had him jump around and do all that stuff. So that everyone kind of looked at and said, "Okay, that's got to be fake," but it still looks cool. Um, so we don't know what their what their plans are with with. Uh, but the ethical part of this comes in where. No matter how they use him, mm-hmm. he is not Peter Cushing alive anymore to be like, right. hey, why don't you just put me in the movie? Or, hey, why right. are you wanting to do this uh, complete recreation of me for this thing? Um, so that is where the ethical part of this comes in is like, who has rights to his likeness? Who's taking care of this? Who's signing off? More, more than who's likely. This? But is it right to even do this in general? So in answer to your first question, the first question is who has the rights to his likeness? It's going to be his estate. His family will have that. This was a big deal back, uh, I want to say, back in the late 80s, early 90s. There was a big to-do when they had Fred Astaire. uh, They took old clips of Fred Astaire dancing and they inserted a like a Hoover vacuum or something like that uh, of him dancing around and vacuuming with this stuff. And the family was like, we're okaying this. But then film purists and uh, audiences were like, how dare you do something? It's like, right. well, the audience was the, the family, the estate who was left to deal with image likenesses and rights of Fred Astaire said it was fine to do. Hoover said, hey, it's fine to do. And they did it. And really, since then, I think it's a it's a family estate thing in these cases. I think Zach's question, though, is getting to the point where 
what if, you know, if theoretically, the man who played Grand Moff Tarkin, whose name escapes me? Peter Cushing. Peter Cushing. What if Peter Cushing theoretically had some major philosophical issue with J.J. Abrams or with, with redoing the role? Is it ethical to put his image in without him having any ability to say yay or nay on it? But Well, do, do, do you know for sure if he had any kind of ethical issue with J.J. Abrams? That's the point. We don't, and, and we can't, it's probably, and we never will. That's probably why everything was put in, is put into the estate of the family to deal with those matters. And if, this, the, I mean, if the family said, hey, you know, this is great, but J.J. Abrams and, and, and uh, husband, father, or whoever, uncle, didn't really care for mm-hmm. him that much, uh, we're not going to allow it. End of story. I think it's, it's a psychological issue because Peter Cushing, the human being— could choose to take whatever acting role he chose and choose to eschew whatever acting role he chose. The equation, it does naturally fall to whomever owns his likeness rights. But then you ask yourself, do they necessarily have a quote-unquote right, not in the legal sense, because clearly if they have likeness rights, they do, to make a decision in what Peter Cushing. So let me let me ask let me and, let me ask you this, Matthew. Let me ask you this. So H.P. Okay. Um, Lovecraft passed away a long, 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 long time ago. Correct. Okay. Correct. I presume so. I don't know okay. when he passed away. All right, long time ago. So the publishing rights to okay. his books are now controlled by a specific publishing agency. Okay. Now, okay. that publishing agency can say, hey, we want you to use, it's okay for you to turn this story into a comic book or this story into a movie and this kind of stuff into that. What if H.P. Lovecraft didn't believe in online internet movies and thought that they would be an abomination? Does he have, I think it- does H.P. Lovecraft have the right to say nay on those kinds of things or have those rights been acquired by a publisher to do with what they want to do with those works of H.P. Lovecraft. Well, you're asking a legal question when the actual moral is, quandary is a metaphysical is, No, this is, a, this is simply a legal issue. It is not, it is not, not a legal it issue. Is not who, 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 owns, not who owns the rights? Who owns the rights? Do those people who own the rights have the ability to do the things that people want to do with that likeness, that work, that whatever... Do they have that ability legally to do it? I'm not asking. If they have that, then the answer is yes. I said that. I said legally they have the right. But here's the thing. When you say this is not new, it's not new because there's a term for it, and the term is over 50 years old, and that term is fake shimp. Mm -hmm. Shimp shimp Howard, Sam Horowitz, died in 1955 and still appeared in like five – Three Stooges movies posthumously through the use of basically old footage and body editing and yeah right sticking characters in after the actor has died is an old tradition and again I'm not saying that it's a legal question I believe that whomever owns the rights to Peter Cushing's uh, whether that be some company who purchased them whether that be his family whether that be his wife They have every right to use his likeness rights. The question that's coming up and the thing that sticks in people's craw is, say, Audrey Hepburn in those chocolate ads last year. 
every time I saw one of those, I went, gosh, she's a really, really beautiful woman. Oh, right. She's a really, really beautiful deceased woman. I don't know how I feel about them using her image, her likeness, you know, using whatever reputation she has to sell me a piece of chocolate. Mm. Rodrigo, what are your thoughts? Because, sorry, because people will go and buy a poster of Audrey Hepburn and have no problem. People will go and buy a stand-up or a lunchbox that has Marilyn Monroe on it. Someone will go and buy a T-shirt with John Wayne on the front. How's that different? They presumably took those photos, made those images while they were still alive. They chose to be a part of the media, which was then adapted into a T-shirt or a lunchbox. Whereas creating an entirely new media using someone else's face does still bring a movie. up. Still I understand, but it brings up a moral question. It brings up the question, and it is not as simple as you say, because just because something is perfectly legal to do does not necessarily mean that audiences aren't going to have an issue with it. Look at Jar Jar Binks. It's similar but entirely different in that Jar Jar Binks, the character, is considered to be a franchise breaker. When you took that character, they have every right to take that man's face and put the big poofy head on it and turn it into a weird kind of sideshow attraction. But the audience responded to it poorly. It's not this precisely is really, this the same is two thing. Different, this is two different things in, in that case. Well, we're actually having things. two different discussions. You and I are having two entirely different discussions. We have been for No, I understand that you say that there's a moral question of it, but I don't see where the moral issue arises if it's an audience's issue that it's a moral problem then that's an that's that's an individual issue of whether this is morally right or not that's an individual decision that's not a business decision that is not a legal decision because those things are very cut and dried morals come from individuals or from a society but yeah but those whether businesses I, whether operate I find in that something, society yes but whether right? i think so is something you, I, there are many things that I think are morally reprehensible. Sure. That doesn't mean that you think that they are. That doesn't sure. mean that Zach thinks sure. they are. And But here's the thing. Those things that you feel are morally reprehensible, do you support them monetarily? It depends. We've talked before about H.P. Lovecraft. I'm a huge fan of H.P. Lovecraft. Sure. But I think that him being a huge racist is a big morally reprehensible problem. Sure. Uh, but what I'm getting at is it what you're saying is they have the right to do it mm-hmm. and it makes business sense for them to do it. Right. I think it might not make business sense for them to do it. You said it yourself. There was those vacuum cleaner ads mm-hmm. and the estate said, let's go. Hoover said, let's go. And the audience... And 30 years later, we're still talking about it. Sure. And the audience responded poorly, mm-hmm. right? The money, like yeah. that money, that money with little eyeballs and mouths, that's all they see you as. Mm-hmm. That money responded poorly. Yeah. Why? Well, they were, I don't know if they responded poorly to sales. That's the thing we don't know. They responded right. poorly to the commercial, right? Sure. But that doesn't well, necessarily equate at. to sales. And I don't think... Well, it didn't help. Peter, Peter Cushing is not going to play. The digital double of Peter Cushing is not playing a major role in Rogue One. Well, what if he is, though? Yeah, what, what if, if he's is? one of the major villains? Ten, yeah. I, I'll bet you $100,000 yeah, that he what does you're not saying, play a yeah, major but, role that where he is on the screen for more than 10 minutes out of the entire 125, 150-minute film. That doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if he's on there for five seconds or if he's on there for the entire movie, 
the act is the same. Well, legally, business-wise, creatively, all above board. If somebody has a problem with it, then they won't see the movie. But I'm going to bet you they're not going to give a crap once it comes to the movie. Well, they might. Well, I, I, I don't think so. I think it'll, it will make. Well, us... let me, let me give, let me give you an example. Sure. No, I believe there me, are... I understand where you guys are coming from. Sure. I don't see it as a moral issue. Sure. This okay. Is well, a business let me, issue. let me give you an example so you can see it as that moral issue. Perhaps if I can do it. No, I see there where are... you guys are coming from from the moral issue. I totally right. understand. Then where let you're me tell you. From. Then let me tell you a story. Okay. There are a thousand, possibly more, pictures of Steven Schleicher on the internet. Oh, sure. What if somebody? puts a picture of you and then underneath attributed to you a horrible caption. Yeah, but I it's... think I'm so glad they captured they canceled Legends of the Dark Knight. Um <laughs> well first of all, it's not legal for them to do that. Right. So end of story right there. Sure. That doesn't matter. It's on the internet now. It is now a legal matter. Sure. And it is a it is doesn't matter if it's on the internet or not. It is now a legal matter that will be taken care of in court. Sure. But it's parody. Mm, not really. Sure it is. No, you love used... Legends of the Dark Knight. No, I don't. Now that actually. quote is attributed actually. to you making that, fun of you. Uh, that is a quote that's been attributed to me by someone else. Right. As a joke. Never, as a joke, which was never attributed to me. Right. No, so it's parody. Right. But so it's defensible. My... Uh, so let's say... No, let's if say... we looked at parody, I think you would find that that's totally... Doesn't hold up to parody. I think I think you can make the case that it can. Uh, so it now it's tied very, up in court. It would be very right? hard to. Yes. How does it make you feel? Well, it's a legal issue. Sure. How does it make you feel? Are you a robot? It doesn't, doesn't make me feel anything. Okay. I mean, <laughs> so you so would someone, just, someone, you wants would just... to use my, someone wants to use my likeness, likeness illegally. Let's, t- let's settle this in court. Sure. Am I happy but about now you it? Have Probably to, not. You can't work on a site when you're in court. It. You had to be with no, no, your no, no, family no. in court. There's money no, no, involved. No, no, no. You got to get a lawyer. You know, lawyers take care of this stuff. No. I don't have to be in court. They're going to call you to be a witness. They're going to call me Congrats. to be a witness you're for one be there. afternoon. Well, one afternoon of no work. That makes you upset. All, the lawsuit will take care of all of that. <laughs> okay. So, next example. What if they do that after you die? I'm not around. It's up to my, my estate to take care of that. Sure. So you wouldn't care. I'm not around. I cannot make that decision. See, not everybody is going to take that same thought process. I mean, metaphysically speaking, there is a question of the the utilization of someone's likeness or someone's face is an issue. And if I were to go and buy, you know, a Rod Serling t-shirt, there is a part of me that would be a little creeped out that I'm buying a Rod Serling T-shirt because I'm putting the face of a dead man on my enormous body, first of all. I don't usually wear T-shirts with faces, but let's say we do. And I think that what it really comes down to is it, it, it is uncomfortable to me because we are making decisions. Uh, the, like, the likeness holders, the rights holders are making decisions about a public perception of a real person. Peter Cushing was a human being. He was not merely the actor who who played Dracula. He was not merely the actor who played Grand Moff Tarkin. He was a human being with all sorts of hopes and aspirations and things that we don't know. So when you say, do I know that Peter Cushing would or would not have a problem? I don't. That makes it worse because I don't have any idea whether I can say for sure that Peter Cushing would have any problem making a paycheck off of an episode seven, theoretically. So the little part of my mind that 
takes these things apart and, you know, looks at them and goes, wow, this really is a weird moral quandary. Yeah, it's kind of a, a niche question. It's one of those things that you think about on a Sunday afternoon when you've read the paper and there's nothing else to talk about. It's not really a huge issue that's going to make me try and boycott J.J. Abrams or Lucasfilm, but it is bothersome. It is, it is troubling, and it does raise questions. You know, one, one of those immortal questions, what is the measure of a human being? If what? Emma Stone were to pass away tomorrow and somebody put her in a film – you know, doing things that Emma Stone would never have done, would I be troubled by that? Well, I let me, let me, let me ask you this. Let me ask you this. Let's look at okay. Heath Ledger, for example. Heath Ledger sure. died before that movie was released. Sure. Should the studio have released that movie? Well, he they had shot, use... I think, yeah. all of that. Yeah, all of it was all done. Point. Yeah. But, I mean, there was a they huge creep. That movie there was a huge with... creep factor for why that film became popular because people want to see. Let's see this Heath Ledger guy who died. That was a that was a big thing. Sure, mm -hmm. sure. I'll give you a harder one. Brandon Lee was killed making the crow. Yeah, and the shots that killed him were not in the movie, but his character was shot in the film because that's part of Eric Draven's mm -hmm. backstory. Mm -hmm. And then his face was digitally superimposed on another actor for right. certain films. Right. I was troubled by that in 1994. I still love that movie. I still watched that movie. I'll watch it now if you put it on. But yeah, I think there is a question. And I, I think to some degree, finishing a film that a Heath Ledger or a Brandon Lee or a John Wayne died during, it, it, it's almost like a tribute. It's like Paul Walker, halfway through Furious 7, he, he passes away in the terrible accident. His friends and his family come together and finish the movie he was working on. And they dedicate it to him and say, okay, this is for Paul. This is finishing the work that he could not. That is one thing. This is 20 years posthumously. Now we are going to take a role that Peter Cushing was probably well paid for in 1977 and probably and we're going continued, to take that imagery. And, and probably more than likely continued to s receive residual rights, and his family and estate oh, yeah. probably continue to receive and residuals for things, that. Who knows how yeah, things we were well, what about in 1977? This? We don't know though. this. Here, we, hold on. We, were, we read comics. When people don't right. get their likenesses, they change it just a bit. So that's yeah. that person, yeah. but it's off. Right. Mm -hmm. If they can fully recreate a person and say, mm -hmm. Peter Cushing's family, like, no, he can't be in Star Wars. Uh, Okay, we're going to change his hair color and give him a mole. It's still going to be Peter Cushing. Well, so then, but so that's the world the we're getting to. No, here's that's the thing. what we're getting to. If the if the estate says no, you can't use his likeness. Then why use him at all? It's going to be the same thing with this upcoming young Han Solo adventures. They're not going to DH Harrison Ford him. by seventy five years. Well, because they're because, going to find somebody who is a young Peter Cushing lookalike. They could do that, that now, and they could. the rumor is they're not going to. But they, they see, could this do is all, it. This is all rumor. That's but why but I don't it, like but it, the rumor mongering. It's sites. not the point of the rumor. It's the point of this is happening. It could be happening mm -hmm. in a giant mm -hmm. world shattering yeah. franchise. So, so it is something we have to talk about. Here's a movie I think you guys ought to watch, and I've mentioned it many many, many, many times on this show. It's called The Congress with Robin Wright Penn. In it's the movie, it's exactly what we're talking about here. Yeah. Where at the end of Princess Bride, the studios bought her digital likeness so that she could remain on film the same age that she was in The Princess Bride. This is where it gets in this weird real world sure. fake kind of stuff. But yeah. in exchange for selling off her digital likeness rights for a 75 years or whatever it was. I forget how many years. Um, 
she got paid handsomely for it. And then as the contract is running out, there's this huge discussion of she's got some medical issues with her son, I believe, and um, she has to decide whether she's going to continue doing that or not. Um, this is if you want to see where we're going to, Zach, watch the Congress. Oh, I because know that's where we're getting. OK, to. so what what happens when this happens and they just slightly start changing people's likeness so everyone knows it's yeah. peter cushing but it's not technically well, peter, peter well, cushing I mean, that's this is exactly that's, what we're talking yeah. about right now right yeah so i'm it's saying it's this it's this perfectly legal way of doing things that is going to put people off well in and fact and what schleichertron is not acknowledging no i'm acknowledging is that it. I, I just don't agree with get it put off by it and that can actually have a business impact. I, on I'm you. not. I'm not saying that you guys are wrong. I'm saying that I acknowledge. I know it. you are it not does saying not... your input number three says we says <laughs> you are not wrong. I am just saying. Yeah, exactly. Right. You're not wrong. But here's yes. the thing. For me, it's not a big deal. In fact, there you in, go. In, there you go. In fact, going back to the question about um, uh, the uh, Katniss movie, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I am almost 100 percent certain. That they had high scans, digital scans. In fact, I think after Heath Ledger, they made this in many contracts that actors have to have high resolution digital scans of themselves made should they die during the production of the movie so that they can. Even if it's not for that reason, any given action movie, they're going to do that because now half the stunts are digital. Mm -hmm. I mean, you've seen scans of Wolverine's face, scans of. You know, Tom Cruise, every movie does a new scan of Tom Cruise and then uh, he no, uh, but this is specific- forces them to use a younger one. This is specifically so that if the actor dies <laughs> sure. during the production, they can still continue to make the movie with sure. with a digital version of that. Right. Um, but I mean, let's say let's take the example of Game of Death, 1978, several years after Bruce Lee dies. They took chunks of a movie that Bruce had made. They took, and this is the part that really skeeves me every time I watch the movie, footage of Bruce Lee's actual corpse in his actual casket at his actual funeral, tied it all together with a body double and some weird plot twist, and of course, at one point, legendarily, a cardboard cutout, and they put this whole thing together and they released it as Bruce Lee's quote-unquote last film. I've seen this movie a couple of times and it never fails to creep me out when they get to that sequence because my brain goes, okay, well, this is just the character Billy Lowe. And then the other half goes, no, 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 that is really a dead Bruce Lee there. Is that even, I mean, is surely it has to be legal. They made a movie. There's, there's no legal question, but God, it's creepy. And it makes me feel creepy for watching it. And it makes me question the mindset of the people who put that in the film as part of my entertainment in what is essentially, you know, a big, dumb Kung Fu chop sake movie. And I think that that has it obviously, you know, I, I, I don't question that it's not a problem for you. I think what I'm questioning is the fact that you've been saying it's not a problem for you. And so by extension, it shouldn't be a problem because they legally I, have the I rights. Didn't, I didn't say that. I said, for me, and I started that conversation when Zach asked the question, I said, for me, this is a legal thing. End of story. But it's not simple, and it's not end of story. For me, it is. Because for you, it may not be, and that's fine. Well, let's move on to more Star Wars news, shall we? More technology oh, right. Star Wars. <laughs> what's what's uh, Star Warsery? More Rogue One uh, 
They are talking that Rogue One could be shot in the ultra-wide format, much like Quentin Tarantino just shot the Hateful Eight on. Yeah. Uh, you know, no, we did, talked... Uh, Quentin shoot his actually on film or... Oh, like, yeah. I'm pretty he sure did. he did That's because Quentin film. thinks anyone who uses digital is which a... Is, a which is dumb, dumb fascinating. Dumb. It lives in a cave. Which is fascinating because if you guys have been listening to Robert Rodriguez uh, recently as he was promoting the second season of... Mm-hmm. Um, um, From Dust Till Dawn. Dust Till Dawn. He talks about the time that he and Quentin were doing... Um, from Dust Till Dawn? No, f- from Dust Till Dawn and also the uh, Grindhouse film. Uh-huh. Where... Yeah, for- yeah, well, where Quentin wanted to do his all on film. Well, Rodriguez yeah. was Planet and Terror. Oh, right. And Rod- uh, Rodriguez's was all video. And how, mm-hmm. right. in the end, for that film, you couldn't tell the difference. Right. And it's real funny that those two are really good friends, but they have a huge split sure. mm-hmm. in whether you should be a, as Quentin Tarantino is, a film purist and only shoot on film, or if you should use whatever it takes to get your project uh, done. And, and I want to know if... What he did, because there's an aerial shot in the trailer, diver, you know, going off shoot from Rogue One really quick, mm-hmm. uh, in the trailer of Hateful Eight, that is an aerial shot that I would, if it's a helicopter, it is damn close to everyone, otherwise they're shooting on a really long lens. It didn't look like that long of a lens. It's like, did he attach a film drone. camera to a drone? I would imagine it's it's small. I mean... Not small. I mean, uh, they are now putting... It'd be a re- huge, huge drone sure. to shoot on 70 millimeter. It would be, It'd but be they, huge. Can, they can certainly do it. Yeah. So that was like, really? You're going to use a drone, but or, you're not going to shoot digital? <laughs> or the other option is um, kind of like in uh, The Birdcage, where um, it starts out on a crane shot as you're leaving the house, and then there's a digital edit in there that you don't see where it transitions to the helicopter shot. Maybe it's a cable. It could be oh, a flying yeah, it could man be a cable. kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. anyways, so they shot on 70 millimeter. Mm-hmm. We talked about uh, a lot of the crazy uh, film formats that popped up throughout the years when we were going back through the uh, Zach on Film films. Uh, and it seems like maybe they're starting to come back. The bigger, wider formats, they're starting to shoot these things. You know, IMAX it, it kind of was this offshoot thing, but it continues to grow steadily in box office numbers and release and people are touting how they're shooting on you know huge imax film nolan shoots all of his thing let on me, film star wars is shooting on on huge imax film let me ask you a question zach why do you think why do you think that uh, imax is is growing in popularity as beyond just the the aspect of let's go see this little novelty you know 20 minute film um to now we're going to watch Hateful Eight or right, right, right. movies like uh, Rogue One. Well, it seems to me that you know these IMAX ultra wide showings are becoming the new spectacle that 3D was for the, in that hot minute. Do you remember a while ago where uh, George Lucas and Steven Spielberg had some thoughts? On oh where yeah, the movies were going. Oh, I remember. I think this is very much like what they were talking about, mm-hmm. where the movie itself is the spectacle and you're going to a huge theater with a huge screen to enjoy part of that spectacle. Yeah, sure. Look, uh, nowadays you don't even need a television to get TV shows, Mm -hmm. um, or movies. So theaters, movie makers, really, uh, you know, uh, movie production companies are positioning themselves as a higher end product Mm -hmm. as an experience rather than, what you go do on a Saturday night necessarily, or what you go do on a Friday afternoon. You know, it's bigger than that now. Like they are like, look, it's the movies kind of thing because 
nobody wants to shell out that much money every weekend mm -hmm. or, you know, uh, maybe two times a week or whenever. You know, it's like you think about people going to the movies. People used to go to the movies constantly and mm -hmm. that has kind of decreased. Mm -hmm. So if they, you know, you see it all the time. Somebody comes out with something, any given product, then their competitors come up with like something similar and that product goes back and tries to place themselves as the fancy version, as the premier version, as the best version. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of what movies are doing as far as entertainment, I feel, is you can watch an episode of Community on your phone, but if you want to know what it's like to fly through a canyon before you hear Samuel L. Jackson drop the F-bomb 15 times... Mm -hmm. Then you go to the movies, <laughs> mm -hmm. and I think that's I, I think that's kind of the gist of what Quentin Tarantino and uh, Spike Lee are both uh, getting at. Where it's like everybody's watching stuff on these little tiny screens, and movies right. were supposed to be meant to be enjoyed on something huge and big. And you know, today your biggest screens are your IMAX screens. I mean, there used to be mm -hmm. a time where you would have a you know a forty, fifty, sixty, seventy, well, eighty, hundred foot screen theater. But those days are gone, which, thanks to the multiplex. Which takes me to kind of a, 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 a an issue that is very close to that, which is they're shooting in the super wide screen meant to be seen on these super wide screens. Mm -hmm. But actually, a lot of people, a lot of people are going to experience these movies in normal size screens, yeah. mm -hmm. which actually mm -hmm. means that the movie is going to be smaller. Mm-hmm. They are going to watch Hateful Eight with these huge black bars above and below it, whereas if it was shot in a less panoramic format, they'd actually be able to see more movie. Mm -hmm. Because past, IMAX, I mean, the closest IMAX theater to us Wichita. is Wichita, yeah. unless the Cosmosphere starts showing... Star Wars anytime soon. I which wouldn't I suggest don't going to the Cosmosphere going. to see it because they don't know how to align their projectors. Oh, so it's like Hayes. Great. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so it, it's a drive to there's, go There's watch three IMAX. good project projectionists in Kansas. <laughs> Two of them are in Wichita and one of them's on the Kansas City, on the Kansas side of Kansas City. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, but the, you know, the thing about the Spielberg-Lucas thing is uh, I think we're certainly going there, oh, but so we're me, not... Let me, let me bring another thing up that okay. Lucas and Spielberg said that ties directly into what you're talking about. They said movies would return to being this big spectacle mm -hmm. event that you would spend a premium amount of money right. on, and those movies would stay in the theater for an extended period of time. They're right, already right, saying right, right. that these IMAX films of Star Wars are already locked up for, exact, for at least one month, at least one month, in the IMAX theaters. Well, and IMAX theaters is a premium cost... Right. Yeah, uh, experience. Well, I don't Jurassic know how, how much World, is it. Jurassic World returned to IMAX. Yeah. They had had its mm -hmm. run, which was mm -hmm. longer than mm -hmm. usual. Mm -hmm. Then it left, and then due to popular demand, now lot like it has returned to select IMAX theaters. Right, right, right. So yeah, I mean, and, absolutely. Um, you know, speaking of the numbers, because we're gonna, it's gonna be a numbers thing on how much IMAX continues to be used, and it seems like there's an uptick. It's really hard to track dollars for IMAX. I figured out they just kind of lump it in there with overall, unless they someone do. reports on it, which is really annoying. Yeah. Uh, but uh, I did find a piece talking about the Jurassic Box, Jurassic World box office numbers for opening weekend, and they said IMAX theaters accounted for forty-four million of the half a billion, which uh, small percentage there, but it is a significant chunk of that because well, you have to go to a completely different theater generally to see it. It is a it is a significant chunk, but more importantly. If you don't see it in terms of what Jurassic World brought in, it's mm -hmm. like 
the next three yeah. like movies of the summer lumped together. It's mm-hmm. a ton of money. Mm-hmm. 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 Yeah. So, so I have a question. Yes, right, Matthew. We and I, I don't know. I think on the MSP as well. We've we've talked about 3D and 3D conversion of movies, mm-hmm. and specifically how 3D conversion is uh, a terrible, horrible gimmick that must be destroyed. When I look at a super, you know, Panaflex giant wide ultra Panavision movie, mm-hmm. what makes it different in terms of uh, a visual gimmick? Uh, per se, rather than, you know, this is a movie in 3D, this is a movie in ultra Panavision 85 millimeter. Okay, so there's a couple... Where's that line of demarcation? Well, it it depends on, you know, what you want to take in or not. So, first of all, the nice thing about shooting at IMAX and 70 millimeter and up, and one of the reasons why 70 millimeter became a very preferred format for the both special effects and for high-end production or um, uh, big tentpole movies is because you get a cleaner image on that 70 millimeter uh, print or mm-hmm. that, on that IMAX print because the size of that negative is so large. You're capturing more detail. You're capturing more resolution. You have a smaller grain pattern than you would on a 35 or 16 or, or whatever else. And so when you're looking at something projected in that, it is a much crisper, cleaner, sharper uh, experience than uh, what you would normally get to see. So uh, because of the cost of 70 millimeter and IMAX, those kinds of things were reserved for quote unquote special movies. Um, and so there is that, there's that aspect of it uh, for you is that you are getting a more pristine, clearer image than anything else. But in the way it's going to be presented, it won't feel any different than the gimmick of 3d. It'll still be go watch it. And this other thing, you're going to pay more money, but it'll be better. And in some cases it is, it is cleaner and mm-hmm. sharper, which is the exact opposite of 3D right. when they do that. Um, but it's, in the way it's going to be presented, it's even already with Quentin, it's like, go watch it and it's 70 millimeter, it'll be great. Right. It's it's yeah. the marketing side is going to feel exactly like the gimmicky nature of 3D. And, and it is because, you know, you always have a mainstream it, well, and then mm-hmm. you have things that attempt to deviate mm-hmm. from the mainstream for whatever reason. Again, if you take that step back, it's like, Quentin Tarantino saying, well, this is art. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. While somebody else, while I don't know. Um, Seth Rogen making Green Hornet. Sure. While Seth Rogen making Green Hornet <laughs> James was like, wasn't even involved. They were just like, you're shooting it in 3D yeah. because 3D is where the money is. Mm-hmm. Right. Both of those decisions for completely different reasons. Right. But we as the audience are going to experience it in much the same way. It is just this little technique. That's supposed to draw eyeballs, and it's going to get move you away from the mainstream. Just like The Hobbit being shot in super telenovela vision, mm-hmm. yep. and just like <laughs> um, that's unnerving, by the way. Yeah, it, it kind of is, and just like um, you know, just like stuff shot in native 3D, just mm-hmm. like stuff that has been 3D transmogrified. All, 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 I'm using nothing but technical <laughs> terms, by the way, on this show. Um, all of that stuff is going to come across to the people watching it as like these fancy bells and whistles to us right. uh, jaded um, <laughs> types as a gimmick. I will um, say. Unless you happen to really like that gimmick. And I yeah. think we should still right. still recognize it as a little bit of a gimmick, even if you enjoy it. Mm, sure. And maybe vice versa. Maybe oh. go in and say, well, this is a total gimmick. But I'm going to see the worth of it. Yeah. And that's what, you know, as as uh, people who have listened to the show a long time know that 
there are times where I've said, you know, this was a good use of 3D. Sure. Such mm-hmm. in, such in, I think, was one of the Thor movies that we went and saw. And I said, right. I actually thought that that was a good use of 3D and they didn't overdo it and it was a nice touch. Um, I think then there also becomes that gray area that maybe Matthew is asking about between when does 70 millimeter become part of the art and when is mm-hmm. converting a, a film that was shot in 2D like Green Hornet and converting it to 3D right. a gimmick and sure. not art. Right. right. And well, I we, think well, there's really a Lawrence certain of Arabia. Yeah, that was a use of there's a certain movie right. that I think benefits from this sure. and right. Hateful Eight is one right. big giant vistas mm-hmm. of yeah. uh, Telluride, Colorado. Mm-hmm. You kind of want to see all that. Don't want to see it in uh, My Dinner with Andre. You don't want to see it. There's right. no reason to and shoot that in said, 70 millimeter. And that's why I said traditionally 70 millimeter and IMAX has been reserved mm-hmm. for these quote unquote special experience films. Right. Things that sure. are supposed to have a higher elevation or and, and an really, artiness to and it. And really originally they were basically IMAX. Well, I don't know if originally, but IMAX got placed on the reason why there is an IMAX screen in the Cosmosphere and where you'll find them in museums and and planetariums is because they were basically for documentaries, right? Mm-hmm. These right. hyper... Um, realistic, immersive, like yeah, super high frame rate kind mm-hmm. of things, where you it's like ooh you're it's like you're inside the ocean or ooh it's like you're actually going in that person's mouth. Look out, right? You know that kind of thing. <laughs> right, right, right. Um, and what I will say I appreciate about Quentin doing it in seventy is that he shot the whole thing in seventy millimeter because there's a thing that really annoys me. And Christopher Nolan did this in yes. The Dark Knight. Mm-hmm. And when they shoot 80% of the film in 35 and then shoot their good, big action scenes in IMAX. Yeah. And in fact, in the middle of those scenes, some shots will be 70, some will be 35. And you watch it at home and you're like, hey, it's jumping back between widescreen yeah. and full screen. Why is it doing that? Well, oh, think, because of the IMAX. I think a number of our listeners had, had written in when they went to go see... Um, the Dark Knight, whichever one I think it was, it was Dark, Dark Knight, Knight. Yeah. where they were watching an IMAX and suddenly, you know, the screen pops bigger during the big chase oh, yeah. fight sequence and then pops back mm-hmm. smaller during the rest. And they, that was somewhat annoying. So Absolutely. I, I think you I, see it. I appreciate Quentin Tarantino saying, hey, I'm doing this for the art of mm-hmm. film. So I'm going to use the expense and shoot this in 70 millimeter. Mm-hmm. Right now, I, we haven't seen this movie, so we don't know everywhere that this takes place. But from what I've seen in the trailer... <laughs> So much more of than, it is going to take place indoors, in right? Yeah, More than 50% of it is going yeah. to take place indoors, which brings up the sacrifice because we see oftentimes where they look at um, a, a television show like Breaking Bad where they really, really, really wanted to shoot on film, right? Mm-hmm. But they're like, uh, well, you can't, number one, you can't shoot in Riverside if you want to shoot it on film. If you want to shoot it on film, you're going to have to go out to Arizona. And it was the smartest move that they made because of those cost issues. And I'm going to bet that a lot of this film is going to take place indoors uh, for the, the hateful eight oh, for is. a cost issue. Right. Let's keep the well, set set mm-hmm. locations well, down. Sure. And right. so you're going to end up with two options. Either you are going to see things expand and like the, the aspect ratio kind of expand and shrink, or you're going to end up with, and this works well because Quentin Tarantino does this a lot anyway, a lot of extreme close-ups when people are talking yeah. so that their mm-hmm, face actually mm-hmm. takes up a lot of the screen. Or a lot, a lot of this little lodge when two people are talking and they're both on screen. Yeah. <laughs> there's just going to be right. oh, yeah, so but, much uh-huh. space around them. Like those there's that door and there's the bar mm-hmm. and there's that boar's head on the wall and there's that banister. 
but it's the detail that you're going to be able to see in that. And sure. I remember, yeah. I remember like Hamlet came out in like 96 and that was, mm-hmm. I think one of the last up until recent times, one of the last movies shot in 70 millimeter. And it was a big deal because they shot the entire thing in 70 millimeter because of the look and the feel that came from that, sure. which is a lot was different that the than Branagh shooting. Hamlet? No, that was, um, the Gibson the, Hamlet. No, no, that was the Branagh ha- Hamlet. Yeah. And okay. I was trying to think, cause I was thinking who was in it that really stood out for me. Well, it had everybody. Kind of it, it had Billy Crystal and it had yeah. Jack Lemmon and Robin Williams Julie, and all these people. In Julie it. Christie was in that and she yeah. was, and it was everybody just talked about how it looked, how it looked, sure. how mm-hmm. it looked, and it just looked fantastic. And whether it was taking place inside or whether it was a giant crowd scene or whatever, and, um, and that's a, there's that's that the look of it. To a certain degree, if someone is going to do something in like this giant super Panavision stuff, uh, you do want it to be an auteur who is, you know, to a certain degree in love with that sort of yeah. yeah shooting right. thing right Here. you don't like like 3d a lot of the times where 3d fails is when some somebody who may or may not love the source material may or may not love the movie they're making is then forced mm-hmm. to shoot it in 3d or is then forced to transform you know what is essentially just a slightly action-packed romantic comedy <laughs> into something bigger so that 3d is justified mm-hmm. at least this way the form is following that function right Mm-hmm. So, right. uh, just, uh, if you haven't already looked, you should disclose this, but since 1970, including the year 1970, how many films have been shot on the super Panavision 70, 70 millimeter, 65 millimeter, the Todd AO format? Get, uh, guessing, uh, 70 in, in that format. That's no, what, no, that's no, 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 Since 1970. I'm gonna. I'm gonna. Uh, I hate to price this right. Him. I was gonna say five. Ah. Matthew is the closest. Eleven movies since 1970. Come on down. You're playing Plinko. And you know why that is? My wife hates widescreen movies. You put a black bar well, at the top and bottom, and she will growl at you the whole time. Okay, but there's a difference between widescreen and. Well, yeah, oh, yeah, but she really yeah. she growls depending <laughs> yeah. on the aspect. Right? <laughs> so here, the here are the here are the movies: Airport, Patton, Song of Norway, The Last Valley, Far and Away, Baraka, Hamlet, uh, Samsara, which was a really cool documentary. If you didn't yeah. see that, The Master, uh, Movies for Your Ears, and then The Hateful Eight. That's just in the U.S. That's not counting European yeah. films. That's just okay. in the United States. The Master so. was shot on seventy. Uh, the Master was shot in Panavision System sixty five. So it's that oh, same the airplane same was too. Yeah. Not airplane. Airport. airport. Oh, airport. airport. <laughs> the airplane airport. was shut. In- <laughs> airport is actually not a bad movie. And, yeah. you know, this does bring up the question, not not just in terms of expense, but would you go and see Final Destination 6 in 70 millimeter and say that it improves the experience of Final Destination No, 6? and again, that's why since God, 1970 just, there have only been 11 films shot know, in this you format. S- you say that, <laughs> but... Like I immediately started thinking, is like I think the Final Destination franchise could do something interesting in Super Panavision. <laughs> I mean, imagine right? just how much longer you get to see that bus before it takes <laughs> out that lady. Right, so and much longer. Honestly, their 3D outing was pretty terrifying and used the 3D grossly, but sure. entertainingly, you know, it's something where again, if it weren't a huge cost issue, or if it weren't, uh, we can only open in the 19 IMAX theaters issue. Would well, it be something that would improve the average, you know, kind of film film that's not a film, it's just a Okay, a movie. so also keep in mind that there is a difference between 
something shot in IMAX and something shot in 70 millimeter. Sure. So there's a huge difference there. So there are many theaters around the United States that can can show 70 millimeter films without being an IMAX theater. Right. Um, and in fact, even in an IMAX theater, and it doesn't matter because the screen is right, so, so big, big yeah. but even in an IMAX theater, the IMAX aspect ratio is actually closer to 3-4 than to the mm-hmm. Super Panavision. Mm-hmm. I mean, it is yeah. almost a square. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. So do I you saw, think uh, this is going to be a vendetta in IMAX and it was amazing. Uh, do you think we're going to continue to see an uptrend of these major blockbuster films shooting on this ultra wide format to kind of push uh, people more so to the more expensive ticket theaters? The second part of your question was Zach specifically about, um, well, we started getting into the film reason for mm-hmm. this, but the second part of your topic for this area was that there's the digital version oh, of sure. the uh the what is it the, the Pan- Panavision 65 uh yeah uh, the Aeroflex. the rare the Rogue One they said they're going to shoot with the anamorphic 70 lens but this is so film nerdy anamorphic 70 lens but it'll be filmed on the oh the digital the, 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 the Ari Alexia yeah. film right. so let's let's break that so, let's break that down for <laughs> people that are just listening in and not okay. not expecting to be killed so, by the nerdness. Quentin Tarantino, 70 millimeter film, super, super expensive. Right. I mean, film, super, super expensive. Keep Very that in mind. Very big, wide square Very on big, his film strip. Yes. 70 millimeters diagonal. So that's like mm-hmm. huge. I don't know. Right. We, don't do, we don't do metric over here. Yes. Only in- uh, um, Rogue One, 65 millimeter widescreen Ari Alexa, digital. Cost goes down tremendously. Sure, because it's still, still a digital still camera. A massive it's still a massive amount of information. Amount of information. Yeah. But also keep in mind too that we are at a point in right now where I can go out and I can spend six thousand dollars today if I wanted to. I could go mm-hmm. out today and spend six thousand dollars and buy a video camera that will shoot five K video. Sure, right. Yes. That is almost the size of seventy millimeter. Right. Mm-hmm. And, 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 and there are and there are cameras that are way out of my price range that can shoot 8K already without a problem, yeah. which is so bigger than IMAX. Yeah, you saw it, right? I saw uh, 8K display yes. at NAB and it was that wall mm-hmm. and it was crystal clear and yeah. sharp. It was insane. And nice. so, yes, we will see more sure. because so, if they're doing it in digital... It's super easy to do. Right. So yeah. the important thing is basically same lens, right? Mm-hmm. Right. Same ability to capture these huge panoramas. Right. But the difference is Tarantino is shooting in the classic uh, film stock for that. Right. And mm-hmm. then Rogue One is rumored to... I mean, No, it's no, for sure being Oh, is, is it yeah. for sure? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's it's going to shoot... In that same thing, but it's going to do it digitally. Yes. Right. Which is a cost issue. But there's also, again, if you want to look at the differences between film and video, and this is, again, part of that, the aesthetic of film, part of the art part of film, Mm -hmm. is that film has a grain to it. Mm -hmm. uh, That every single frame of film is going to look different because of the um, distribution of the silver halide uh, crystals on on the film that give it its, quote unquote, life. Digital pixels, no grain. It doesn't change. Did I tell you guys about how I just watched something in film when I went to St. Louis? It was the first time we went to the Arch and they do uh, they show a documentary of it being made mm-hmm. underneath it, and that thing came on. I'm like, holy crap! This is film 
being shown on film yeah. and it was like it like blew me away like this is so different is crazy yeah. if you wow. actually see f- something shot on film and then shown on film and projected and since and since we started doing this i've never there's nowhere i can go to watch something projected on film sure. right so it was like holy crap it's a different I think you can tell a difference it is really nice to look at the a lot of people aren't going to are not going to be able to tell no, the difference. No, not at all. Right? And that's and right. that's important to remember. So from a cost reason, it makes sense to not shoot it on film. Yeah. Um but the important thing to remember is that film looks the way it does because of what it can't do. Mm-hmm. Film looks the yeah. way it does because of its limitations. In, in mm-hmm. fact, if you The remember... moment that you start improving on that, it becomes yeah. video. It starts mm-hmm. looking like real life, and it doesn't look like that dream you're barely remembering, which is what people <laughs> like about mm-hmm. film. If you remember about things when in, your, in the video class that you took with me, Zach, we, we should have done a whole section on how to make your video look like film. And the first mm-hmm. thing you do is add a bunch of shit to it yeah. so that it looks like film. <laughs> and that means degrading the image mm-hmm. so that it looks like film. And it's like, what? I mean, that doesn't that's, make sense. that's the thing is like the basic, yeah. the basic reason why does film look the way it does? Why does video look the way it does? Is actually not even the grain. The grain is a big aspect oh, yeah, of yeah. it, but it it's the progressive range. versus progressive, interlace. Yes. The moment you start interlacing things, then suddenly the movement becomes too smooth Mm -hmm. it looks like real life all of a sudden you're watching the news instead of watching i don't know uh robin williams inspire a bunch of young men uh, you know (laughs) through poetry and stuff right our local uh cable provider just went full digital and i was watching the local news in like full hd for the first time in my life and it was eerie it was too immediate it was too real and i think that you, you guys are all going to yell at me, but I'm going to say this. I think that we will see more people shooting in the wide formats, the the 70 millimeter, the Panavision, whatever you want, for the same reason that we're seeing so much retro vintage clothing. It's going to be part of the new aesthetic, at least for a while. Oh, sure. And sure, especially sure. since Tarantino did it in, a, in a, like a real high profile fashion. People are going to say, oh, I'm going to be like Tarantino and I'm going to make Saw Part 7 on 70 millimeter Panavision. Well, I say, you know, good luck to them. Uh, keep in mind that that Arri Alexa camera is still, what, 50,000 or something yeah, like that? I, you know, I haven't decided to price out an Arri Alexa any Well, let me look up It's a Saw movie. We got more money than that in the special effects, man. Well, there's a reason why for years when you watch the end credits of a movie, they say cameras provided by Panavision mm-hmm. because you can't afford the cameras. Right. Panavision has to basically <laughs> let you borrow their yes, cameras. Yes, you have to rent them mm-hmm. and borrow them, yes. Which uh, you can a still personal see. personal favor from Joseph Panavision. Yes. It is fun if you want to start figuring out what they're, they're shooting the films with. They still put the camera company at the end so you can tell if this was shot on, oh, yeah, on Sony or on Red or, yeah, yeah. or the Aria Alexa or the, I guess I would say Aria. Uh, That's so if you want to be, if you want to start being a film nerd and a camera nerd specifically, you stay to the end of the credits, you'll get to see what they shot the film with. Well, yep. and, and actually, it's good to do that. That's, and that's the thing. You stay till the end and you see what they shot the film in and what they edited it with. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's interesting that, you know, from as an editing nerd to see what they're editing in and, you know, it's like, uh. In lower levels, it's like Final Cut Pro took over everything. But I have, it seems to me that I never saw a decrease in Avid. Like, people oh, no, have Avid's continued around, yeah. to mm-hmm. edit film in Avid this whole time. Yes. Oh, yeah. It is. 
uh, still a behemoth of the thing. But you know, there's always Final Cut and Premiere trying yeah. to nip at its little sure. little, little and and in the needs. prosumer and consumer stuff. Those yeah. guys are definitely walking around. Well, and but keep in mind too. I mean, uh, Avid is. I, I can't tell you that it ha- still has the number one hold on that because right. uh, people are like, well, all television shows are shot on it or uh, edited in an Avid system. That's not true because you can look at Saturday Night Live, which totally dumped Avid and Final Cut to go totally mm-hmm, premiere sure, for their entire sure. workflow. Well, and and a lot of places are doing that, and you know, just like a lot of places are using some. Like uh, the thing is, like for movie studios and stuff they have some leeway even with the software i mean they they get custom software a lot of the time mm-hmm. it's not necessarily the same thing that you get even in a professional place like right. they can actually be like okay we want this but we want a machine that does exactly this mm-hmm. right and then like avid and whoever makes a the computer they get together because they have the money to spend on that Yes. Have you found the price of an Alexa? No, because you can't buy them. Oh, <laughs> uh, you, you rent so, them totally. It's just I like, couldn't it's even just find a little like, emoji I mean, making the, fun of you. If there's you the um, RE Group, which I didn't even go to their website because I just figured it was just nothing but um, text, but promotional Vistas. stuff. But I'm looking here on the uh, wiki page for it, and I don't even see anything about it. The Alexa 65 was introduced in 2014. Um, it's available for rental only. Like those from Panavision. Well, there you go. So there you go. You can't go buy it, suckers. Yep. yep. Sensor has a 54.12 millimeter by 25.59 millimeter active image size, which is even larger than the film gate of the RE 70, uh, 765 65 millimeter camera. Now that's still smaller than a 70 millimeter, but still. They, uh, they're, they're carved from a single Massive. slab of marble. Yeah, <laughs> they have to be. <laughs> they have to be. Uh, let's see. By Marvel Studios announced that the Avengers Infinity War would be shot using a version of the camera built in collaboration with IMAX, making it the first time a full-length theatrical film will be shot entirely in IMAX. Additionally, the, 60, the RE-65 will be used in sequences of the upcoming Rogue One and Captain America Civil War. Right, because J.J. Abrams talked about shooting IMAX for the new Star Wars movie, but that obviously will not be... Full right. IMAX all right. moments. Yeah, that's why I said time. certain right. certain elements. Right. So fun episode. Be-boop, a lot be-boop, of Star be-boop. Wars. A lot of talk. <laughs> good be-boop. times. Uh, anyone have any final comments? Kill all the humans. Yep. Um, I think uh, I don't. I don't know when this comes out, but we're gonna talk about. Okay, so we already like on a Friday. Does that yes. was that okay? So this week previously, yes. we talked about uh, Marvel Studios shuffling their people. Oh, that around. was early, earlier this week. Earlier yeah. this uh-huh. week. So yeah. go listen to that if you want more film nerd movie talk. Yes, yeah. uh-huh. film nerd movie talk. Go check that out. Major Spoilers podcast. Where can you find that? Majorspoilers.com. Head over there right now after listening to this, and you can find this episode on the podcast posting page. Uh, give all your thoughts. We talked about a lot. We shouted about a lot of things. Surely you have a thought about some of the things we talked about. Why don't you type that out in the comments below? You know, we'll have, have a discussion on there. No one will use caps locks because that's just rude. Uh, while you're there, mm-hmm. click on the Amazon.com shopping link and buy all your fun Star Wars supplies. There's going to be a lot of merch out. You got to get oh, it all. Fact, starting today, when you're listening to this, depending on when you're listening to this, today is the 24-hour <laughs> Star Wars unveiling where it's all the way around the world uh, in every time zone for 24 hours. They're unveiling new Star Wars merchandise. Well, there you go. I'm sure some of that will be available on Amazon.com. When you buy buy it, it. not going to cost you any more. You're probably going to get some good shipping on that because obviously you're probably an Amazon uh, Prime 
customer. You get that in two days. That's awesome. Yeah, or uh, or, or a day because yeah. uh, why He's not? My this is the future. Autobot, Amazon Prime. <laughs> uh, not gonna cost you an extra, but we'll help major spoilers out to keep this content coming to you. So that's it for this week. I'm sure we'll have a great episode for you next week. See you then. Podcast is copyright 2015 by Major Spoilers Entertainment LLC. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com.